Hey everybody, Brad Stevens here, founder and CEO of Outsource Access. We help companies redefine how they scale with offshore affordable staff from the Philippines. Congrats to all fellow winners of the 2023 Real Leaders Impact Awards. We are proud to be among you. About 10 years ago, I woke up to a major growth problem in my last business. Cash was tight, staff was overwhelmed, and tasks were not getting done. Then I discovered the world of offshore virtual staff in the Philippines where English is their second language, so there is no communication or culture gap. I realized outsourcing wasn't just call centers, it was access to college-educated Filipinos to support sales, marketing, operations, customer service, bookkeeping, personal tasks, and more. And in fact, the first woman I hired in the Philippines at 23 is now an award-winning COO of our entire company. It inspired me to launch Outsource Access. One client and YPO member, Ali Jamal, shared their offshore virtual staff Edison automated processes and saved them over 50,000 per year in the first few weeks. It's about finally getting things done and staff focusing on higher value activities. We've grown by over 2,000% in just three and a half years and will double next year. To receive a complimentary outsourcing playbook customized for your industry and to connect with one of our team here at Outsource Access, just visit RedefineScale.com. That's RedefineScale.com or text the word SCALE to 770-954-8440. Two months after hiring my first staff, she sent me a picture of shoes she bought for low-income children because of the opportunity. And now we support thousands of families and the environment with United Nations SDG projects. I'm proud we've grown with impact. To learn more, visit RedefineScale.com. Boom, what up? Hello, bonjour, and hola, real leaders. This is Kevin Edwards, your host here, and I am so excited. You're tuning in to one of our amazing experiences. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, real, and loaded with inspiration, guaranteed to support your impact journey. So sit back, enjoy the listen, folks share a review afterward, and always keep it real. In five, four, three, two, and one. Welcome everyone to this episode of The Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, and joining me today, folks, we have the co-founder and CEO of Forterra Corporation. Please give a warm welcome to Mr. Ryan Gilliam. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Of course. Well, Ryan, I think it's really interesting, the business that you're in, the impact that it can have in the world. I want to start off for the viewers with a quick little tidbit I read today. Cement is the second most consumed thing on the earth behind water. Is that true? So nuance on it, yeah. Yes, it's true, but okay. it's really, it's, it's concrete's the, the second most consumed thing on earth behind water. And cement is, is really the glue in concrete. So, so once you add cement to, to sand and rock and get to concrete, that is the second most uh, consumed thing on earth behind water, which is really part of the, the the challenge of it. It's it's so critical to everything we do, to the infrastructure built around us, but has a big CO two impact uh, as well. So if we want to reduce our carbon emissions, our greenhouse gases. What is the role cement plays in this, and what is the role of Fortero? Yeah, so so you know, okay, cement and concrete again being the second most consumed thing. It's it's more than four billion tons a year of cement produced. 
And, you know, I think the, the thing that's interesting about the cement world, I mean, it is really critical to the infrastructure built around us. And the cement industry has done an incredible job of making that a low cost product. So I think the idea that you could actually replace it with another material, I don't think is, is in that realm of feasibility. There'll be specific use applications, but by and large, you're going to need that volume of cement to continue building out our infrastructure. And, and so the challenge with that is, is right now it accounts for about 8% of the world's CO2 emissions. And so it's really about how do you get to that same type of product or that same product, leverage everything that the, that the industry has already built out from feedstocks and infrastructure through to that kind of those backend logistics. How do you leverage all that, but do it in a way where you can reduce, reduce CO2 emissions? And that's really what Fortier is focused on is, is paving a way to, to get to a net zero cement. And, and where does this concept come from? Did it come out of thin air? Did you read something? Were you just wandering around, ran to somebody who was talking about this, decided to start this company? Like, Walk me through the origin of Forterra and how this, this idea came to be. Well, so, so the, the origin story is a, is a long story and I'll, I'll try it and it's a complicated story. So I'll, I'll, tr I'll try and simplify it. Um, so, so years ago, there, I, I moved out to Silicon Valley, moved out to the tech world to join a company that was really the first company looking at taking CO2 through to a cement product or beneficial reuse of CO2, you know, as it was termed at the time. And it was a company that was, I say, incredibly successful technically, but un unfortunately wasn't a successful company. The economics didn't pan out. There wasn't a path forward for it. And so that's kind of been that that technology that, if you will, always got away. And and you know, at the time with that company, we had I think at the peak of it about 150 people over working on the technology development, over 100 patents on the technology. And so once that kind of company pivoted and went on to other things, um, you know, I continued in my career focusing on the clean technology space. Typically, all the technologies I've developed have always been from that viewpoint of. If you look at a lot of these materials and chemical companies, they're technologies that were developed before things like CO2 and energy efficiency and wastewater and things like that really mattered. So I've always kind of looked at them from that lens of if you knowing what we know today, know what we know now in terms of impact on environment, if you were to reinvent those technologies, how would you do it? And so the thing about this, this company or this tech that always got away was it was a great technology being able to take CO2 to, to cement. It really got its origin story from how nature forms its building blocks. And so if you look at how coral reefs form in the, in the ocean, sure. you're actually absorbing CO2 and making a reactive form of, of carbonate. That's, that's the cement in, in coral reefs or a lot of shells in nature. And so kind of fast forward from that company, uh, what I've learned in my career is that if you really want to tackle climate change problems, there's typically big problems, which means you need to have scalability. And the best way to drive scalability is to work within the existing industries to, to do everything from leveraging their, their feedstocks, their infrastructure, their logistics, and really drive down cost. And so what happened about three, four years ago with Forterra is myself and our, my co-founder, our, our co-founder, who you know, we've developed a lot of technologies together. We decided to take a look back at all those original technologies we had developed for CO2 through to cement, but from that lens of how do we actually do it within the industry to drive down costs so we could actually have a scalable solution that's uh, scalable relative to the size of the, the CO2 problem. 
And once we figured that out and realized we could actually partner with cement companies, use a technology that we had already proven out at pilot scale, but do it in a way, again, that, that leverages everything that the cement companies do well and give them an opportunity to reduce CO2 and a pathway to, to having a big impact. That's what drove us to, to start it as a new company, um, bring back in some of these, those old thought leaders that were part of the original company that developed the tech, but now do it in a way that was really focused in the cement industry and working with the cement industry to get to a solution. It, it makes a lot of sense about uh, why you would take that approach. Looking back now, what have been some of the challenges that have really tested you, maybe your leadership in terms of this go-to-market strategy? I, I think the, the the hard part with any type of technology or new technology that's never been developed before is one is is going through the the testing and the scale up to to one to prove just that the technology works and especially in the area of cement I mean we're talking about material that's used in life bearing applications so there's a lot of there's a lot of things that you're going to need to prove out to get people comfortable in using using that material. So I think it's it's really been about navigating how do you get the industry comfortable with the material? How do you navigate the scale up? And you know, in cement, what drives the lower cost is economies of scale, which means you really have to get to very large projects, hundreds of millions of dollars of capital outlaid to base to to drive down the cost per ton to be competitive. And so I think you know, getting people comfortable with the product, getting a clear path on how to raise large capital. To, to, to get those economies of scale and drive down, drive down costs and getting those first partnerships, people interested in working with you are, are the big challenges. I, I always, I say it as a joke, but it's, but it's a reality is in these types of industries, everyone wants to be first to be second. The first plants always cost more, they're less efficient. And you know, you, that's where you really are solving all of your challenges. So you get a long line of people that want to do the second or third plant, but it's finding those first adopters, those first uh, partners is, is I think, the, the hardest part of it. And, and tell me about what worked for you or what is working for you in terms of finding the right partners. What are you looking for? What was the strategy there? What, what was working for you? Um, you know, I, I, think, I think the hard part as well about the startup world of bringing a new tech to, to the market is there's a, there's a general tendency where the vision sometimes can get out ahead of where the data is actually at or where the tech's at. And I've seen this many times over the years in, in startup companies. And so I think the, the one thing that we've stuck to is we're honest about what we can do. We're honest about the, you know, where we're at in the development. We're honest about what still needs to be developed or, or figured out. And I think in doing that, we've been able to build credibility with these potential partners, with the cement companies, so that they understand that when we tell them stuff and we tell them about how the economics work or where the business relationship could go or how we can fit within the regulations and where we can go to get even further CO2 reductions, I think that those are good, good now open conversations that are collaborative and they see us as a really a helpful pathway to reducing CO2 as opposed to um, being skeptical on on what it is we can do. Sure, that seems like a much more long-term approach i'd say and, and and you know there's there's a reason that there's a term reality check you know people are living out of reality they their their plans their processes that they put together may not be working and they cannot admit that or they cannot uh, admit that they cannot achieve a certain goal over promising overstating 
how do you detach, Ryan? How do you detach from the the data and actually what is driving progress in your company as opposed to the vision that you're setting that may or may not be working? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, you know, kind of maybe taking it back to the initial company that I had joined that where this technology comes from. Um, I think that's one, that's a company where I experienced the the vision getting out ahead of where the tech or the data was actually at. And I saw the impact that that can have on a company and it ultimately led to the, you know, the failure really of that, that tech. And so everything that when it, all the other techs that I've been a part of, it's been from a very different viewpoint. It's been about making sure, and one of our core values is honesty and, and honesty really is also with ourselves about where's the data actually at? What are we actually seeing? Where are the economics actually at? So that when we put models together, or when we go out and do business development, we are pitching what we know we can achieve. Now, another one of our core values is optimism. So I, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're optimistic on where we can get to, but it's optimism grounded in reality of it's actually achievable numbers, achievable goals that that we're going after. And, you know, I think that that's, that's been great for us building credibility within, within the cement space. I think that frankly, it can create challenges as well, though, for startups um, by not going out there and doing a lot of press, by not going out there and, you know, effectively overselling, it does come into challenges then around funding and everything else. And so you're, you're always balancing those out. But I, I'm a PhD engineer at heart. So for me, it's all about making sure I can support the the data and where we're trying to actually go with it. And And through your growth, what's frustrated you the most like what's what has been the biggest challenge maybe it's balance maybe it's focused on the product as opposed to sales maybe it's hiring folks that might not be the most fit like where 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 have you been stumped i guess the most in in your experience so far with the growth uh for me and this goes across all the technologies i've been involved with it's just timelines there's a there's a reality when you're doing hard tech that's capitally intensive, you're building out plants. By the time you permit a technology or permit a new a new plant through to basic engineering, detailed engineering, procurement, construction, going through commissioning, getting up in operations, those are not short time windows that you can really compress all that much. You can throw more people at it, you can run multiple shifts on on construction, but they're still multi-year processes. So you take that timelines combined with just the challenge of, of a risk-averse industry, and, and rightfully so a risk-averse industry, but taking a risk-averse industry where it takes time to build that credibility and those partnerships, it means there's just a long window to, to get these things built out and get through that, that commercialization phase. And, and as the leader of the organization, like where have you landed on goal-setting, timelines, length, achieve you know reach goals stretch goals like where, where have you really landed on your timelines for how far out you're you were wanting your team to think and uh produce results i i mean i think with any organization you have to have kind of more near-term quarter by quarter goals things that are stepping stones to get to your ultimate vision but you have to set out a long-term vision of where you're trying to go with the company um, generally speaking i mean you know we we know we're going after net zero cement but we have many stepping stones to get there. We're starting off with um, binary blends. So basically smaller percent replacements of, of cement with our material to get 
again, people feeling comfortable with the product to get through some of the optimization work that needs to happen at the plant level to drive down costs. But that's where we'll start. We know we're synergistic with other, other uh, what they call supplementary cementitious materials. So it's basically other products in the cement space to help drive down CO2 further. And so we'll go to there. We know our technology is compatible with green energy, and we can go to things like electric kilns and drive down CO2 even further. We know we're compatible with some of the new kiln technologies out there that allow for carbon capture sequestration. So we'll want to do that. And ultimately, we know our material can work as a 100% standalone product. And there's things we're still doing in development to improve on that. But that's eventually where we want to go. To me, that's a 10-year horizon to get all the way through that and get to a net zero or really a carbon negative product to really help the industry. And so, you know, you have to have that ultimate vision in mind, but you have to then start with the team on those, those individual milestones, stepping stones, pathway, pathway to getting there. And so I think I have a, you know, really strong team from the perspective of um, them really understanding where we're trying to go, but then breaking that down into more discrete things that then all the individuals on the team can can work on and and execute on to again keep pushing us towards that ultimate goal. And have you found like a, a bonus incentive structure to that's worked better than another? Uh, do you provide those bonuses? Like what is has been an effective incentive structure for your employees that produce results? I guess in your experience. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think all employees have their own things happening in their personal lives, and other things that are going to motivate them motivate them differently. And I, I would say, even since post COVID, I think what motivates people and what they're looking for in a job has changed, or at least in in a general sense, I, I think has changed. And so, I, I think that that's an ever going um, process of trying to figure out how to make sure you keep your employees engaged, how you keep them keep them motivated. If I was to talk about the successes in my career, I think I always point to the biggest success I believe really is a lot of employees have stuck with me through multiple companies 10 plus years now. And that's that's unusual in, in a startup. And you know, I, I'd like to believe that we're compensating well and and you know incentivize people relative to that. But I think frankly more importantly is is we make sure that people are, are part of the team and they have you know, a clear impact on what we're trying to do and they can impact the vision and where we're trying to go. And so it's really, it is truly a team that we're, we're putting together that are bought into the mission and vision and, and what we're trying to do to solve for, for the planet. And I think frankly, that's more motivating and that's what keeps people coming in and interested every day more than the compensation side. Now, don't get me wrong. You have, you have to get the compensation bonus and equity and all that stuff, right? You got to make sure that People are are fairly compensated, but it's really about building the culture and the team and giving people a reason why they enjoy working that I think frankly matters more. Interesting. So if, if cement is the glue, what is the cement of team building? Who is the glue? How do you build cohesion in a unit? Um, you, you know, I think as you grow in a company, focusing on company culture and getting that right really, really matters. And and that is that's everybody on the team. A lot of people will always say that's, that's top down. And, and obviously, for sure, the leaders in the company need to lead by example and help set that tone. But it really takes everybody in the company to buy into what is the culture you actually want day to day. And, and I think when you get that right, and you, you set that in the right way, new hires coming in, see that they buy into that, 
I think, frankly, in the post-COVID world, a lot of people looking for jobs, that's actually one of their key criteria is making sure they're joining something that they, um, one, they, they agree in the mission and vision, but two, that they're coming to a company culture that they want to be, they want to be a part of. And so we spend a lot of time in the company talking on company culture and trying to get that right. It's, it's an, it's a forever work in progress. Um, and there's things that obviously we, we can do better, but the fact that we, I know we have a team that, that is aligned with that and getting that right is I think the thing that matters the most. Ryan, I'm just kind of you know, curious, you've thrown in the word impact, whether it's internally uh, or externally with someone's net impact. Um, broadly speaking, what does impact mean to you? Uh, interesting question. I, I think for me, maybe just from a company perspective first, and then I can get to an individual, but from a company perspective, really, you know, we started Fortera with a view of, of having a meaningful impact on CO2. And I, I would say that we have an interesting product that we could probably go after higher value applications, maybe be even be more economic with some of those applications. But then it becomes a niche company where we may have success at a company standpoint, but we're really not going to get to our ultimate goal of, of really having a meaningful impact on CO2. To have a meaningful impact on CO2, we need to be in the cement space and we need to be really broadly um, broadly adopted across that 4 billion ton ton market. And so I think not losing track of really the ultimate goal of having an impact on CO2 is important from a from a company from a company standpoint. I, I think for myself, it really is um, I want to know that when I come in, I am doing the best job I can and the team looks at me as as leading this company and sees me as being the best person for where the company's at. Um, and so that really means that, you know, it is leading by examples coming in and and making sure that I'm pushing the ball forward is making sure that I'm helping to set that vision and direction and get people rallied around it. And as long as I'm doing that and I know that the team's bought into it and, and rallied around it, then I know I'm having an impact that, that matters. It's great responsibility. Ryan, in all of this, what is your definition of a real leader? You know, it's, it, another, another interesting question. I think it's a really, frankly, a hard one to answer succinctly. Um, you know, I, I think all leaders need to be able to set vision they need to listen to their their team and to customers to refine the pathway of how to get to that vision. You know, we've talked about it, but I think they need to to lead by example and set the tone of the type of culture they want. But those to me are like, those are really all the minimum things you need to do <laughs> as a leader. Um, if there was one thing I think that is differentiated in the startup world, and, and, and maybe, it's, maybe I shouldn't just say just the startup world, but I think... When you're trying to do something that nobody else has done before, you're inevitably going to run into issues or challenges that could be make or break for for a company. And and a lot of startups, you know, that's where they they fall off as they get to those make or breaks and they don't get past them. And and generally, what I would say within what I've seen in my experience in, in leading is, if you build a good team, as a lot of those challenges come up, whether they do it through a team or individually they'll rally around them and, and get those solved. So by the time it gets to me or by the time it gets to the, to the leader, it typically means that a lot of avenues have been exhausted and the team is worried about what is the make or break or how do we actually solve, solve the challenge. 
And I think it's at that point that it's really important for the leader to, to handle those and to rally the team around those challenges in the right way. And I, I mentioned before that one of our core values is, is, is optimism wins. And again, it's not to be blind to, to, to those make or break challenges, but it's to say, if you, you know, it really can be a moment to actually build the team. And what I look at and say is if you, if you hear out the team, make sure you understand the challenge that's being presented, make sure that they understand the challenge that's being presented, come up with a bunch of ideas or solutions that may be able to solve it and come up with discrete goals or milestones, things that the team can work on to see, are any of those going to be potential solution pathways? And if you do that, you kind of simplify the problem, break it down, get the team rallied around it. When you then end up solving those problems, it makes the team so much stronger in realizing they can solve the, these big issues as, as they come up. And so I think from, from my side, it's always been about as those, as those big challenges, those make or breaks, or what some people think are showstoppers come to the table, it's take the optimistic view, break it down, make it simple, figure out a clear path on how to, how to tackle it, and then get the team rallied around that to get the team even closer so that as the next challenges come up, you're, you're just that much better as a team to go after them. Well said for Ryan Gilliam. I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, folks. Rally the team. And always, folks, keep it real. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, Real Leaders, thanks again for listening to this amazing episode. And if you're someone like me who goes all the way to the end just to make sure I can extract as much information, education, and inspiration out of every single interview, might I suggest you check out our magazine. If you go online to realleaders.com today, you're going to get the first 30 days for free where you're going to be able to access all of our magazines courses, and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. Again, that's real-leaders.com. Thanks again for being a real leader and always keep it real.